I haven't shared the Navy story for a long time, so I thought I'd begin with one. Um, it's very interesting what can happen in a year of Navy, but I have met people who have abused with power, and I've met people who have really made the most of their ability and their um, skills to, to be really professional. And today we're going to deal with a passage that is quite imperative. And in my Navy experience, I have met Navy officers who have been futile in giving orders. So I know maybe I've shared this story before, but our first three months of training, we had to move, literally, physically, these mine carriers from one spot the orders were given that this week they needed to be in this part of the base. So the whole group of the sailors would take them and they'll move them to that side of the base. The following week, another order came to do with the mine carriers, saying that those mine carriers need to move from there to there. And to our surprise, in the end of our training three months, we found out that the mine carriers were being ready for the next lot of soldiers and sailors because they would come to the same place. And it was futile. It was an order that we needed to follow. It was something that we really needed to, to really comply with. There was no discussions. We needed to do it. But at the same time, I've seen how similar situations where orders have been given, but they have been really kind of caring orders. I've been officers being behind their walkie-talkies or radios, restless to give guidance and direction for a boat who had been on the sea and had really faced a rough sea and how they could be helped to come back into a safe place, safe haven. And with that note, I really wanted to uh, start today's talk because we're going to be thinking about Paul. And although the notes that he's writing to the Colossians is quite imperative, it's not coming from a place of power, it's not coming from a place of there's nothing else to do with a Christian life, let's move around those mind carriers until we find something else to do. But it's coming from a place that actually he has experienced God firsthand. And therefore, he wants to, to impart that passion and impart that knowledge of what God has been doing in his life to the fellow Christians in Colossae. So, we be, begin the chapter, actually. Um, I've been reading the whole letter of Colossians all week, but the chapter 3 kind of begins with a, with a, with a very good positive uh, note. Um, and we, we're going to be focusing only on verses 12 to 17 today, but um, we, we cannot do that without mentioning the beginning of chapter 3, because that's, that's where, where he starts his passion to, to, to impart. And it says, Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, 
and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is so when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So it's a continuation of finishing the book of Revelation, getting into some practicalities. And then verse twelve. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in the hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whatever in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Lord, we want to bless your name for your words. Lord, for your word, Lord, to minister to our souls, to our minds, to our hearts, to our bodies this morning. Thank you that you are faithful to your word. Would you teach us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, here we've got Paul. He's in prison. He's in prison and he's having a rough time, actually. But he doesn't want to let aside that actually the reason why he's in prison, he understands that actually God has got a purpose. I mean... That was part of Paul's ministry. Whenever, you know, that was the, the mandate that they had when they got told by Jesus to go and make disciples. In every city that they would go, they had two questions. Where is the synagogue and where is the prison? Because they, they knew that by sharing the gospel, they would end up in trouble. They would end up being actually um, a problem for some people who didn't like them. And therefore, they would be treated as criminals end up in prison. But Paul is trying to make the most of his ministry in prison. He's not feeling sorry for himself, although he is very descriptive in the way that he talks about the things that he's been going through in other letters. But he wants to make the most of his ministry because he knows that there are other people out there that are might be doing different or might be not necessarily in prison, but might be going through the similar situations, that he's got a say. He's an apostle. He's got this, this thing from God to impart to them. And the first thing that he talks about here is let the peace, the verse 15, of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, I don't know if I would be able to write that if I was in prison. 
I'm not sure. Because we, we, we read what about history, what history tells us about the prison's conditions in those days. I don't think I'll be able to, to write it even nowadays when I've gone to visit um, um, prisons, whether in Albania or here. It's really tough. But Paul talks about the peace of Christ. Talks about the peace What does it look like? I haven't got my mobile with me, don't worry. What does it look like for somebody who is going through time, who is going through difficult situations, and all of a sudden they're being reminded, actually they're being commanded to allow the peace of Christ to rule in their heart. What would you do to command yourself? I think we can, we can sympathize actually with Paul because he's going through that place that actually the, the easiest thing for him now is to panic and to worry. But he has made this decision that he's going to let Christ's peace, which is ultimate, to come to his life now, I'm aware that in some conversations that we've had with some, I've had with some of you is that there's a lot of things going on in the background. There's decisions that we have to make and we can easily find ourselves in panic mode. There is problems that we face. We've got family, we've got situations that um, really have got an impact in our lives. And we don't know. And the, the, the natural mode is to panic. The natural mode is for us to take action and do something ourselves. The natural mode is for us to, to actually be in charge. But that's why I read the beginning of the chapter... Because the beginning of the chapter is that then since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Set your mind on things above. Rely on God, whatever your problem is. Rely on God, whatever your situation is. And actually, the encouragement or the imperative here is let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, again the church, you are called to peace. But we need not to forget that these letters were corporate. They were not individual letters. This was written to congregations. So there is, there is something here for us to encourage and to prompt one another and to ask the question that are we letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts? What is it stopping us? We need to prod one another to say, come on guys, what is it that is causing? What is, what is our main worry? What is our main frustration? What is our main point of, of, of putting us not at rest? 
I think we've got that responsibility. We've got that, that journey together. And this starts off our, our, our Simply Together series in that sense. Because I, I know that it's great that we, 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 we love God. I know that it's great that we, we as a church are in a journey. And it, it's great to see that. But can we not see more of that? Can we not testify more of that? Is there anybody here who would like to share a story of how they've experienced Christ's peace ruling their hearts? It doesn't matter what the situation was, but you have really encountered that you want to share with us today, that you want to, to bless us. Put you on the spot. Jill. This happened quite a long while ago. Um, My daughter uh, was a student in East London. And uh, I also had trained in East London, so I knew that it wasn't the most salubrious place to go. But anyway, there she was. And we had warned her about this, that and the other. And she phoned me up one afternoon, and uh, one morning, And she said, Mum, I was attacked last night. And uh, I asked her various questions. And I said, I want you to come home and just get over this. And first of all, she said no. But then I said, I'm coming up to get you. So uh, I've never driven so fast to Parkway in all my life. And got on the first available train. And I was a quivering mass, as you can imagine. And I took, for some reason or other, I picked up my Bible and took it with me. And I just opened it, and it opened at this very verse, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And I said, how can it, God, in a situation like this? I was sitting um, uh, on a, by a table, you know, with four people. And opposite me was a mum with a small child. And I have always loved children of that age particularly. That little child looked over at me and burbled and one thing and another. And then she climbed up over the table and sat on my lap. And then she went and bought her book. And I just looked at the mother and I said, is this all right? And she had me reading her stories the whole of that journey, which just took my mind off what I was going up to London for. And for me, God couldn't have provided a better way of breathing his peace into my heart. So let the peace, we have to always let it. It's not so much let the peace of God. We have to sometimes let it rule in our hearts. Amen. Thank you, Jill. Anybody else? Peter, come in front as well. Thank you. And this goes back um, a few years actually when I was um, still working full time. Um, It's a bit of a technical thing, but um, um, there was a a computer server at work which I was responsible for. And this server was running a critical bit of software to our organisation. And... 
this software was basically obsolete. It wasn't supported by anybody. And if that software had crashed, the server had uh, died for any reason, I would have been in a very difficult position. Um, and um, I got into a worse and worse state. I was waking up in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night almost in a blind panic. What's going to happen if this server falls over? Um, and I just realized that, well, I just can't go on like this. I'm, I'm going to, you know, drop dead or something with, with the stress. So um, I got one or two people from the church to, to pray. And believe it or not, they were praying for hard drives on this server. So that's how technical their, their prayers were. And, you know, that server kept on going till the software was replaced by a new product and it could have been switched off. Um, but it, it kept on going and going and going. But the wonderful thing was, I just felt a peace about it. That situation hadn't changed one little bit, but God did a work in my heart so that I could just be in peace about it. Um, it, it was miraculous, really, because I'm a worrier. You know, I'll worry about anything under the sun. But God was able just to take it away from my heart as a, as a worry and just give me that peace. And, and to this day, I just, just think it's, it's a miraculous thing that, that God could do something so powerful in, in my life for something so practical. You know, God cares about servers. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that really has stuck with me um, all the years since, since that occasion. Hey, thank you. Pete. Uh, I'll have to uh, try and whiz through this story because otherwise um, uh, it's, it could be quite a lengthy one. But anyway, Gwen started um, uh, at St Mary Redcliffe, um, not this year, last year, and uh, everything was going uh, all swimmingly, loving it, all the rest of it, getting the bus in to school um, every day. And about, um, uh, I think it was in the second week, um, uh, she she sort of gone into school, um, and uh, so you know we'd, we'd sort of yeah, send her off. Um, taken you know, the other kids to school, I'd gone to work, Eve was at home, um, everything's all fine. And about 10 o'clock, or you know, about yeah, sorry, half past 10, um, uh, I get a phone call from Eve. Um, uh, Pete, uh, uh, you've got to come home because um, I've had a phone call from the school. Um, Gwen isn't at school and they don't know where she is. Uh, and I, I, what, what, what's, um, how? How's that possible? Um, so I, I just, yep, yeah, that's okay. So I said to Eve, look, just um, you know, keep keep sort of phoning the school, keep sort of badgering them, blah blah blah, because um, Eve was um, uh, just about able to speak, but not not really able to speak on the phone. Um, so anyway, so I I had cycled into work that day, um, so I had to cycle back home, and um, uh, that that was quite a, quite a, um, a fast journey. Um, but um, as I was sort of cycling, um, uh, I I did feel as though God was yeah, telling me, look, just don't worry, it's okay, you know, I'm with you, please, please have confidence. Um, and I, that, that for me was probably one of the sort of first times um, I've sort of been in a really stressful situation where actually it's been really clear, look, actually, yeah, yeah, this is going to be okay. Um, one thing in the sort of back of my mind that um, I was kind of clinging to through that, that sort of cycle journey and you know, before I sort of got home and the rest of it 
we had a, um, a bit of software on Gwen's phone, an app that was a, you know, like a tracker app. Okay, and this thing had been, it hadn't worked basically um, at all, um, and it, yeah, utterly useless. It had been fine on kind of yeah, my phone and Eve's phone, but kind of on Gwen's phone it just sort of kept saying that she was still at home when she was kind of sort of yeah, 10, yeah, 10 miles away. Anyway, that, that morning I sort of yeah, looked at it and I thought, oh look, yeah, it's worked. Uh, and I could see actually on that tracker app, oh yeah, so, so she has actually um, got the bus and she has kind of sort of been at school. And actually at the right time, um, it says that she was in school. So kind of Obviously, she must be there, even though the school are telling us that they can't find her. Um, so anyway, I sort of get back home, and uh, Eve's had another phone call from the school, basically saying, um, uh, no, sorry, you know, yeah, she's not here. Um, uh, yeah, we don't know where she is. And Eve said, well, can't you go and find her friends? Because she went to school with her friends on the bus. She would have been in, in you know, reception, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, and they said, no, no, sorry, no, but we'll, we'll go and have another check. But I'm sorry, if we can't sort of do that, that's as far as we can take it. Um, uh, you'll have to just phone the police. Uh, at which point we were oh no, this is, this is not, not kind of great. But we're like, well, no, 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 come on, let's, let's kind of have confidence and just kind of stay, yeah, stay calm with it. And anyway, we sort of prayed and um, about half an hour later, uh, we get a yeah, phone call from school. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine, yeah, yeah, we found her. Yeah, sorry, there was, there was just a mix-up because uh, she'd gone to a school council meeting and therefore she hadn't sort of gone to the reception and uh, she hadn't sort of signed in and then her next lesson hadn't, blah, blah, blah. So a whole yeah, catalogue of events had led to this, this kind of yeah, situation. But, um, but yeah, I can stand here and say um, yeah, two things really. One was the sense of peace um, that actually uh, I'm not alone in this. You know, we have a God yeah, who is with us. Um, and secondly, that, that tracker app um, uh, never worked on Gwen's phone um, you know, after that day. It was the only, the only, <laughs> the only time that it worked. It uh, was the critical point in time where actually it kind of sort of helped give me the confidence. Actually, yeah, God, I'm not crazy in this. It's going to be okay because I know, you know Gwen's in school, basically. So, yeah, there we go. Great. Thank you. See, thank you, everybody, for sharing. Um, there are other imperatives here. The other one is to be thankful. And we've been working on that really by counting our blessings and be thinking about things that we've been thankful for as individuals, things that are thankful, we are thankful for as a church and stuff. So I want to move on from that. But I want to, to, to spend a little bit more time now on the verse 16 when it talks about the word of Christ. Dwelling in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Now, when, when this Greek word is, using here, is used here for dwelling, is basically, it's you take over ownership of the house with complete authority over every room in the house. So you're not a lodger, you're just the owner. You've got the full authority to do anything you want to do to the house, providing that you comply with building regulations in this country. Um, but the dwelling here is that note that you let the words of Christ dwell on you. And again, it's imperative. So the real way of saying it is you must let, must 
let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that word for richly there is distinctively. Um, for those of you who have been to Albania, um, one of the distinctives, distinctives of the capital, Tirana, is that you go and you drive through a block of flats and each of them is painted differently in weird colours. And that's the landmark of the capital of Albania. That you, you've got this long row of flats and different, you know, the, the previous mayor was a, an artist and he wanted to splash a few colours and stuff like that. But this is, it's quite distinct. You don't see that uh, somewhere else. And I think it's the same kind of distinctiveness here. That if we're saying that the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly, it's making us different. It's distinguishing. It's setting us apart. It's, it's bringing us out of the norm, actually. That richly is, is, is that motion of, actually, Christ's word is, is getting a hold of everything, every area of our life. And he is trying, or the, the, the word is, 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 is energizes and giving us life to live distinctly, distinctly, uh, to live, uh, to make a difference in how things happen in our life. So, the imperative here is to be saturated in it. What does it look like for a community of faith in Colossae? Have they not been carrying on with the teaching of the apostles? Have, not, have they not been carrying on with holding forth the word of life? What does it mean? It means that actually the teachings of Jesus become a reality. That they're not just information. They're not just stories. But they become parts of our life and community. That when we talk about Christ, Yes, we talk as if he is the Lord and Saviour, but also we talk about him as, he's, as if he is making the difference in our gathering. So, bring it to our ministries that we are involved is, well, what are we doing here that we are allowing this indwelling of Christ's words to make a difference in what we do? In our Sunday gathering, in our cafe, in our preschool, in our weekday activities, in our workplace, in our families, in our corporate worship. What is it? Now, I've got stories about this, but I was just wondering whether we will finish here by maybe having one or two stories that we have experienced Christ indwelling with his word in our midst. And then we'll carry on. Uh, We're not in a rush. Um, We'll carry on in the following weeks. But have we got any stories or any testimony or witness that we have really um, encountered Christ's words dwelling in us? Um, that it was so obvious. Put you on the spot again. Okay, so 
Thank you. So basically, what we're saying here is that we, we want the word of Christ to dwell in us. And it's not just raw information about Jesus' teaching, but it's how does that work out then? So we take whatever Jesus, the main disciple maker, is making us as disciples, and we're putting it in practice because actually we hold dear what Jesus has, has told us. So, for example, in this situation, it talks about the outworking of that is, is by actually you teaching and you admonishing one another with old wisdom. You're singing um, psalms, songs, hymns, and you're having an ingratitude in your heart. But perhaps that has to do with only the, 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 the congregation in Colossae. But as we read the New Testament, we see that Christ's words in dwelling was actually, we're seeing that Christ is talking to us, obviously here, and we ought to do something about it. And this is the outworking. And it could be an individual experience, like the previous stories, or it could be a corporate, where we have really enc- encountered the indwelling of Christ's words and teaching in our midst. So, if I wanted to help you with some examples, is, you know, it's when Mary gets the news from the angel, the, the, the way that she responds is by quoting Old Testament. When Stephen, the Martin, is being ready to be stoned, his, his take is that he immediately goes to Christ's teaching, he immediately goes to the teaching of the prophets, and he says, well, actually, this is... This is what it is. When, when Peter is, is being arrested and he's being, um, coming in front of all the, the people that are judging him, he's coming up with, with a big, uh, way, big talk about to say how God has been faithful. You know? And it's this indwelling, this, this encounter of God's word, that in the midst of where he is, he still is indwelling it. Any experiences like that? Jenny. Um, my experience ties the two things together, actually, the peace and the word. Um, many of you know I've had a bad shoulder for a while, and a couple of years ago, maybe, um, I had to have an MRI scan, which um, I didn't think I was claustrophobic, but I think I might be, because those of you who know, it's sort of you get, you're lying down and you kind of get moved into this cylinder, and it's not very big. And um, the first time they tried to put me in, I just felt this panic rising from my... It was like it rose from my toes and was just spilling out. And I just remember crying out, Jesus, please. And I thought I'd said it in my head, but I'd actually said it out loud. So they brought me out again and were talking to me and saying, you know, explaining how long I'd have to be in this thing. And it was like 40 minutes, although they could keep bringing me in and out. And I was... I was just thinking, I just, I'm not sure I can do this. And then they, I thought, right, I'm going to try. And so they put me back in, and it was, there was peace. There was no panic. It was just serene in this tube. And I remind, was reminded of the verse, my verse for the year that year, which was um, from Isaiah. And it said, I later read the message version, which really spoke into the situation. And it said, 
Um, For I am the Lord your God, who um, I have a firm grip on you and I'm not letting go. Don't panic. I'm right here to help you. And I just felt that that was just such a tying together of my experience of what God was like with the truth of his word in a really helpful way. Great. Thank you. Anybody else? Agnes. My, my mom was so ill uh, before she died one month ago. And uh, I got a very bad backache. And uh, I laid on the next room. Uh, my mom was on the other, other room, but she was alone, so I so sorry her. Uh, but uh, her depressed illness is um, all the time ask me, uh, Agikam, it is, means my small daughter, uh, please come and do this, do this. And uh, I did before easily, but uh, I, I felt I need to lay down because it was so painful. So uh, I, I see from the other room my mom, she's alone, so I went to the next to her. And I, I bring my uh, mattress and I just take down on the floor what is, was thin and thick. Uh, and I said to my mom, Mom, I have a very bad head, uh, backache. I need to lay down, but please don't ask me do this, do this, because I don't able to stand up. So I lay down. My mom said, Agikam, please uh, bring the water for me. Okay. Slowly I, I get up and I, I did. After uh, I laid on again, Agikam, please uh, take out from my blanket. Okay, I did. Later on, my mom said, Agikam, please don't sing for me. Okay, mom, you know, if you want, I don't sing. Switch on the radio and I started dancing and then I finished the dancing my headache is gone my backache is gone so this was I trust my mom she knows what she wants and I was trust her she knows something what I don't know and I did and my, my backache is just gone absolutely so this was my okay, nice experience. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Terry. Sorry, it's like elaborate. Thing. Sorry. Um, many years ago, I accompanied uh, some friends at an offer course at the church that we were in at the time. Um, and just, just before that, um, I was not working, so I was on the dole and um, I needed some footwear. So I bought some boots that were second hand. They were in really good condition. Anyway, so 
I had somewhere out of them, my situation changed, and I prayed to God, because they were really like, in good condition, and I said, Lord, I'm going to put these in this charity shop, and I want you to bless someone with them, like you bless me. Anyway, I went to this Alpha course, and um, I was sat there, and I can remember the boots, there was a little bit of yellow thread that had slightly come undone, and anyway, it turned out, the woman that had come to the Alpha course was wearing the boots, and um, I said to her, did you get those boots in such and such a shop? She said, yeah. Uh, anyway, we, we had a conversation. So for me, it's like, you know, that's, that's just God. Um, you know, he can do amazing, incredible things. Um, also, Richard just reminded me, there was, going back a few months ago, uh, I prayed that God would bless us with some finances. And uh, to my surprise, I was walking in... Um, near Downend and on the road I gave a big wad of money it was 750 quid in a wad with elastic band it, was, it looked very humble and um, on the pavement so we handed it into the police I was with my mother uh, I actually shared it with her we got it back uh, yeah okay. <laughs> so God, God can move he's powerful as we know thank you great we'll stop here um, we've been talking about peace, we've been talking about thankfulness, we've been talking about indwelling of Christ's word. And the reason why I wanted to share this today with you is because I'd love for us to be experiencing some of this corporately as a church. And I know that I've put you on the spot today, that has not been intentional because I've been also wanting to, to, to start encouraging us to be looking for these things and to be prompting one another. Paul is writing from a place of experiencing God's peace. Paul is writing from a place of being thankful regardless where he is. But also he's writing from a place that now he's got an allegiance with Christ. And his word is paramount. And there is no negotiations about that. And therefore, he wants to be indwelt by that. And then the last thing is, again, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll pick that up uh, later on. Shall we pray? And then I'll hand it over to Jenny. So here we come, Father God, as your people. Thank you for journeying with us wherever we are. Thank you that your word says that your peace surpasses all understanding. And wherever we are, Lord, in our lives, we so want your peace. Help us to allow your peace take a hold of our life and let go of our own solutions.
and plans. Help us, Lord, to be thankful. And help us, Lord, to take your word and let it take functional control of all the different areas of our life. In Jesus' name. Amen.